You're listening to Selling the Dream. This isn't an interview and we're not journalists, but each week we'll ask our guests to open up and share their secrets to business success. Let's have a conversation and have some fun. Hey everybody, welcome to Selling the Dream podcast. My name is Ken Jordan, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Iredell. Our podcast is sales, motivation, and success. That's our theme. Our rules are, you know, be honest, be sincere, but don't take yourself too seriously. And we like to have a little bit of fun, but we always like to pull something out of these episodes. It's going to help people in sales or entrepreneurs apply to their business and, and hopefully become successful. So there, there you have it. And of course, now's the time. I guess I might as well introduce my buddy, uh, Joe. What's up, Joe? Kenny Jordan. What's up, my friend? How you been, well, brother? That was number five. We were just talking. How's the fifth kid doing? When you have five kids, it's kind of interesting because it's. I tell everybody it's with the fifth one, you don't really get the same, give them the same attention. So it's, if you get a job at a really busy restaurant that like just had a big lot of turnover and like you just kind of tell them like, all right, hang by some guys that have been here a little bit longer and sort of look what they do and you'll kind of get the feel of it because the, the boss isn't going to be around all that much to walk you through training. So that's kind of, we get a lot of help though. So it's all good, but he's, how does uh, Joey feel about having to raise Rocco? He, dude, I'll tell you what, they love it, man. They're like, they're all about it. Yeah. I think, you know, their competitive nature is all the kids are trying to show me and Laura that they're better parents than we ever were. So it, uh, He's either going to be the toughest kid in the world or the weakest. It's that, that still remains to be seen. Yeah, he, they can't go too easy on him, right? No. It's, if he makes a peep, he gets picked up right away by somebody. And, you know, his diaper's not wet for more than 10 seconds ever because there's, yeah. you know, his sister's changed his diaper and all that. But we'll see. They're, they're all different, man. It's cool, though. It's wild how they all come from the same two people and, and they're so, so different. It's pretty, pretty cool to watch, you know, like they definitely have their uniqueness about them, but they're all nuts. Like that's the only thing that they have in common is they're all out of their minds and like, incredibly difficult to deal with at times. I know they all got so, a good sense of humor, which is, which is, it can help soften the blow of the world, you know? We try to keep it breezy. Breezy. What, what did you think of the Super Bowl, man? Politically, I feel like it was riddled with hypocrisy. And the fact that you have performers like Snoop Dogg and them and their misogynist messages, and then you have John Gruden who gets fired over the same hypocrisy. I don't know. But the game itself was boring. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of either team. It was, you know, there wasn't really any cool storylines like previous years, and I don't know. I thought there was, was a cool storyline with Matthew Stafford finally winning the Super Bowl. You had the young kid, you know, Joe Burrow coming in and, you know, trying to, to – playing his flag as uh, the new era, the new elite young kids. Yeah, I guess. It wasn't the Eagles, dude. Like, you know, it wasn't a team I really care about. So, Joe, you're in a business. You're in a young man's business, young person's business, right? Let's face it. Internet advertising, you know, websites, digital marketing. There's always something new coming along, right? How do you protect against or do you feel, do you even feel that, the, the force of the younger people coming in and, and what they're bringing to the table? And do you feel a heightened sense of pressure to to, to uphold uh, your end of the bargain, to, to be on the front end and on the front edge of stuff? I mean, these kids coming up aren't like us, man. They're soft. They're soft. They, <laughs> they don't work hard, dude. 
Bottom line, and I'll say that, and I'll take them to task any day of the week. They don't work like we work, dude. And so you couple that with the fact that everything in the digital age right now with websites, internet marketing, it didn't just, it's not just here. It started 20 years ago and it's built upon the fundamentals that were built back then. So if you get in the game now, you're playing catch up. Like if you don't know how it got to where it is, then you have to work 10 times as hard to get the experience that you know, dinosaurs like me have in the industry that have been doing it forever and seen every possible, you know, scenario for our clients. And so it's not, I don't see it as like a threat or anything like that. It's actually, I see it like when and I, I work with some younger guys that are coming up and, you know, they don't have to be the smartest, but if they work their ass off and they have that kind of drive, then they kill it. And they're, they're the best people to work with. And, you know, because you can teach anybody anything, like, it's easy to learn what we do. It's, you know, but... It's hard to know what we do. Yeah, you just have to be motivated to do it. And, you know, I don't think that, whatever, I know there's exceptions to this, but in general, I don't think the kids coming up these days are, they don't have the same grit that... that, You don't don't sweat them? I don't sweat anybody, KJ. That's funny, man. You know, it's, it's, you know the sales game is it, it's tough. You know, you, you get to a point where you have to, you can't, you can't sit back and relax. Sometimes you can't just, you know, sit sit on your laurels, as they say. You got to constantly be out there grinding, growing, and you know, if you're not growing, your your business is gro- if your business isn't growing, it's dying. You know. Yeah. Hundred percent. And, uh, and, and the, the hungry dogs run faster, in the words of Jason Kelsey. So even our if- biggest threat, our biggest threat is. Our own clients' lack of success. They go, they don't know how to run a business. We take them on and then they go out of business. So that's pretty much like, you know, it's a revolving door of clients that we have. And it's not because of, you know, the stuff that we do. It's just not everybody's cut out to run a business. And I think the average business cycle, like most businesses go out of business within the first like three years or some, some create, I don't know what the stat is, but it's like, it's pretty nuts. Like, you know, the ones that last a while, they're unique. It has nothing to do with their disproportionate digital marketing budget that you implore on them, is it? <laughs> you're not just running them out? Like you got to spend 10 grand a month or you're going to go out of business? When I give my financial advisor 10 grand a month and he brings me back 100 grand, I don't see that as a cost. So for our really lucrative and successful clients, when I'm getting them 10x return on investment, they're the ones that have been with us for 15 plus years. There so go, it's the man. ones that let nickels get in front of dollars that usually don't have a very long shelf life. I hear that, man. Well, you know, it's uh, talking about success, right? You know, the guy we're going to be talking to today, full disclosure, I've known Mason for 20 plus years. One of my favorite people on the planet. The guy's about as unique as, as you can be. Um, Full of life experience, success, failure, you know, it runs the gamut. One thing I can say about Mason, I don't think he's ever been bored. That's a fact. You know, the Rolling Stone grows no moss, and I don't think this dude knows how to spell moss. So without further ado, Mace, welcome to the to the Selling the Dream podcast, man. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's all new for me. I, I knew you were a little bit nervous today partially our fault it's partially our fault because we did play a prank on mace a couple years back that was one of the greatest moments in internet history as far as i'm concerned so mace was definitely like why do you want me on this podcast 
I still have those pictures, Mason, if you want to. Hey, you get stung Maybe once. We'll, you get stung once, man. You got to be on your toes. We'll rehab, maybe we'll we'll, uh, we'll replay that uh, we'll replay that audio at the end of this podcast. So there's your incentive. If you're listening to this right now and you want to let stick around to the end, and we'll think about maybe playing it. But no, seriously, no, Mace. Thanks for coming on and hanging out with us. I I specifically want to hear about some times in some businesses that you were in. Kind of take us back to. Take us back to your early days when you were still, you know, trying to figure things out. You know, uh, you know, a how did you get into the cottage business in Chicoteague, Virginia? And tell us a little bit about what that was like. You know, I was in the real estate business. I was going to make a bazillion dollars. You know, rates were eighteen percent. People thought I'd lost my mind, and I probably had. You know, I got tired of it. I was getting beat up in the real estate business, and I took off and I decided, hey, I'm going to go run some a motel on Chincoteague Island in Virginia. I went into town. They had to have something for sale. I don't know, man. Three banks lent me money, and I figured, well, you're stupid enough to lend it to me. I'm going to take it. I had a first, second, and a third mortgage. How did you find it? You literally just drove down there? I swear to God, I walked into a Century 21 office. I said, look, man, I'm trying to buy, you know, either cottages or a small hotel or a motel. I'd have squat to rub together. So... I mean, these people said, hey, go! Look. we got two. Go look at them. So we went we looked at them. The owner said, I'll hold X amount of dollars as a mortgage. Two other banks stepped up, said, we'll take a second and a third. I thought, well, this is pretty stupid, but I'll take you up on it. It turned out, you know, kind of chewed me up, spit me out. But in the end, you know, classic overfinanced and undercapitalized. Had a lot of fun, though. I mean, I did a lot of fishing. All right. So it was you. It was your wife, right? Well, eventually Teresa came down, yeah. Okay, but at first it was just you. Yeah, at first it was just me for a year or two. All right. Tell everybody what your grand idea was about this these cottages, where you thought you were really going to where you were going to separate yourself from every run of the mill hotel. <laughs> it was hard, man. I tell you what, all I did was clean toilets and change change beds. I swear to God, for a living, it was hard. So I always wanted to have peacocks. You know what I mean? Is that where you're going with the peacocks? You can't really know. So, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was, when I was really young, I was at somebody's house. I didn't even know who it was. And this guy had these peacocks popping out in his backyard. And I thought, oh, my God. He's, he must have money coming out his behind, right? Because he's got peacocks. So I said, well, I'm going to get me some peacocks. I didn't hardly have any money. I had like 125 hours. So down there on the Delmarva Peninsula, you know, they got all these farmers. They, they raise everything down there. So they call him Fowl down there. So I call this guy up. I says, look, I want to buy a couple peacocks. He says, all right. Bop, bop, bop. Gives me the price, whatever they were. And I drive down to get these stupid birds. So I got to go all the way down, to, you know, halfway down the Delmarva Peninsula. And this guy's giving me these big birds in these little wooden crates like this. I didn't know. So I bring them back home, everything like that. I had this big eight-foot fence out back in the yard, let the peacocks out. I go in the house, get something to drink, whatever. I come out and the damn thing flew away. So I like, I didn't know they could fly. Did you ever see a peacock? It's a big bird, man. It's like a t- I didn't know they could fly. Either. It weighs like 30 pounds. I mean, you'd never think these things could get off the ground, but they can. So I called the farmer, I called a farmer dude up and I said, listen, the peacock flew away. He says, well, how dumb are you? I said, I'm from the city, man. I don't know anything about these birds. And it was like my last 125 hours. Like, I didn't have any more money to go, like, just spend it on stupid birds. So guy says, listen, come on back down. I'll give you two more. 
So I end up two more, and he showed me how to clip the wings so they can't fly right, you know, clip their feathers. And, oh, my God, eventually they, they had babies. And so if you're ever in Chincoteague and you see peacocks, they're mine. <laughs> so so peacocks are not indigenous to Chincoteague Island. That was That's all. I don't know what happened to them, man. I, I had, after a couple of years, I had to split, you know what I mean? I had enough, but the birds weren't coming with me. So You and Paulie, right? When you when you closed up shop, when you closed up shop, you and Paulie uh, basically just shut the lights off and walked out. You went down, you picked up some stuff. It beat me to death. Why did it fail? You just didn't have like enough. I wasn't making. Yeah, I just I wasn't making enough money. There wasn't enough money there to keep everything going, pay me to live. You know what I mean? Like it. It was uh, again undercapitalized, man. I learned two lessons there. Don't go in with no money on something because it's going to chew you up and spit you out. I was fortunate. I got out of eat. Well, no. Yeah, it, it just, it was hard. It was a great time in life, but it was also a bad time, man. So live and learn. You came back up north and what'd you do from there? Got back in the real estate business, right? Yeah, got back in the real estate business a little bit. And then we bought a fruit store, me and Tracy, in the bazaar of all nations, right? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Well, that was just too much work, man. It was seven days a week, like 10, 12 hours a day. I was working like, you know, like they put me out in the field with a plow. So, I mean, we made money on that one. You know what I mean? But eventually that, you know, the bazaar closed up and we we got out of there. But, yeah, we made fruit baskets, sold a ton of stuff, and getting up four or five o'clock in the morning, going down to the produce center, getting the stuff, hauling it back. It was crazy, man. So that one didn't work too good either. Yeah, they didn't pay well. So that that's hard work. So that's two entrepreneurial, you know, ventures that were extremely difficult, right? And and you learned a couple of lessons there. One, don't buy things that go bad, right? If it's got a short expiration date, stay away from it, man. So so from there, what did you do when you left the fruit stand? What'd you do at that point? Back in the real estate business. I'm telling you. <laughs> Back in the real estate all business. my money I made in real estate. And I made in, you know, whatever I made, I shouldn't say, not all my money, but whatever I made it, real estate and the mortgage business. So back in I went, you know. Now, when did you get in the mortgage business? 1990. 90. So been 30-some years. Yeah, 31 years. Yeah, a long time, man. So from 1990, you're in the mortgage business. You're doing well, doing very well. You know, got to do a little bit of day trading during the, the tech boom, right? Probably learned some of similar lessons that I learned with crypto. That doesn't always go up. <laughs> well, I learned about options oh, and margin. Those tips you were giving me a while back, they didn't pan out, KJ? I hope you didn't take them. I, yeah. It was for entertainment purposes if only, Joe. Listen, if I can't explain it in 30 seconds, I don't invest in it. That's my rule. I can't fucking explain it though in three days. I still don't get it. And I, I, I know that I'm not dumb, like, whatever, like everybody says, <laughs> but... But I know I'm not an idiot, and I have just a hard time. NFTs, I can't wrap my head around it. Do you are, you are you getting into any of that stuff? You're in California. You should be all over this shit, Joe. Dude, I'm in a pretty good area, so everybody here is, you know, doing well. And you find that the people who do really well don't waste money stupidly, dude. Like, you don't invest on anything unless you know it's a 100% sure thing. So like, this is how all these people have a lot of money. And this, the crypto thing, it's like, I mean, you might as well just go to Vegas. Like, there's no way to, if you haven't figured out, like, you've already got a ton of money, you know, to begin with. So no, there's, I don't. And you get out, you know, I don't, I don't get it. 
I know if Shiba Inu gets to a dollar, then I'm set for life. If it ever gets to a dollar. Sure. That's, I that's thought cool. that was a dog breed. It's a dog. <laughs> it's a dog queen. I don't know. It says queen. I don't get it. I don't get it. But make I don't own any me. man. I, I can't understand it. When uh, when you got back, when you got you got in real, you were in the mortgage business. You were doing very well. You and I knew each other at this point. And then you decided you wanted you decided you wanted to give this entrepreneurial business thing one more run, right? What did you end up doing? <laughs> Bought a steak and hoagie shop. Bought a steak and hoagie shop. That was another dumb one. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. not only did you buy buy something with perishable goods, which you swore you'd never do again. Did you were you, were you well capitalized, Mason? Were you over leveraged there too? I did have at least I had some money behind me, but I sure as hell hated the part it with it every month. Yeah. We were losing money in that place every month. You know, lesson learned there again. Restaurant business, no good. Cash business, no good. People steal from you. In your defense, though, Aqua tore up your street for, what, eight months right in front of your store? Yeah. Yeah, that was rough, man. That was really rough because people couldn't get down the pike to get anywhere, let alone my store. Now, mind you, I stayed in the mortgage business all during this nonsense. You know what I mean? But I thought it turned out to be a nice little retirement kind of thing. would make a couple bucks. I wasn't looking to get rich. But that, that one cost me a lot of money, too, to get out, man. Live and learn. See, I feel like if reality shows were, were more prevalent back in the day, you could have just had a guy come into your motel and he'd show you how to run it and tame your peacocks. And the next thing you know, it's all going. And same with the restaurant. There's guys for that on reality shows. So Yeah, a couple of days for me, a couple hundred. If was in a reality show from back then, it would have been called Check out what this asshole's doing now. And it would just be a camera guy. Amazing. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I, always had, I had a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, I had a lot of fun. But, you know, again, people say, what's the dumbest thing you ever did? I say, look at man, it's mighty boldy to think I peaked. That's what I find so admirable about you, Mace, is that you have had your adversity. You never were afraid to take the risk, right? Some pit, some hit, some didn't. You had some investment properties, you know, that hit in the early 2000s where you didn't lose your shirt. You know, you made a couple bucks on those, you know. But when, what, how do you stay positive? How do you maintain that level of, you know, kind of worldly joy that you've always had in spite of all these defeats? You know what I mean? Like, you should be a crotchety, pissed off old man right now. When I was going through the, the trials and the tribulations, believe me, man, I was a pissed off, crotchety old man. But you know what? You got to get back on the horse and ride again. You know, what are you going to do? You know, you screwed it up. You take your beating. You know, you get depressed for a little while, you know, and you got to go back out. You know, got to go back out and keep trying it. I mean, at least if people are going to do this stuff, God bless you. Do it while you're young. You got a chance to recover. You know what I mean? You can't do it at my age now. You can't risk everything like I did back then. But I didn't have anything to lose. So what the hell? Yeah. I guess yeah. that's part of it, right? Not worrying about what you have to lose. One of the things we talked about today, earlier today, was being the cause versus being the effect, you know? And when you consider, when you realize that you are the cause of the matter versus the effect of the matter, you know, that's when you're in that nothing to lose mindset. Like, not the nothing to lose, but you're not worried about the consequences. You're not worried about the obstacles. You're not worried about what's going to hold you back. You're not seeing that. You're seeing a wider vision. You're seeing everything from a place of possibility. And as much as like you had to take those shots and take your lessons from them, you know, that same mindset is what caused you to walk into the real estate business, not knowing the first thing about real estate and become a successful real estate agent. Then transition into the mortgage business without a lick of 
without a lick of finance education and become successful at the mortgage business. It's that willingness to kind of just stay, just just stay on your vision of you know being successful rather than dealing with all the things that could go wrong and, and might go wrong. It goes back to what Joe said, man. It's all about work ethic. I swear to God, you can get lucky. I mean, I'd rather be lucky than good, right? But you just keep working. I mean, what else are you going to do? Keep working hard. Going to notice. I, I found a common thread with with successful entrepreneurs and business owners that they have one of two things. They either have like a tremendous amount of overconfidence in themselves or they're just completely naive because you couldn't, no one in their right mind is going to start a business and knowing like going to happen and the work that's going to be involved. And if you think that you have it figured out in the very beginning, you're going to soon find that like what you thought you were doing is completely wrong. So like that's how I look back, like when I started my business, I'm like, I never could have known or expected what was going to happen. And if I like, if I, I would have scared the hell out of me, like all this stuff. And I look back, I'm like, holy crap, dude. Like, how did I even, if I knew that was going to be like that, I never would have done this, but you just kind of fight through it. And, you know, just again, it's not, you're either super self-confident and like, I can do this where you just don't know. And like you just take that blind leap of faith and it's, I think you just it's fight through it. It's like, you know, there's a, an old saying, God has a way of making you forget pain. I think you have like this thing inside this drive, this innate drive. And yeah, you're going to, you're going to take your shot. You're going to, you're going to fail maybe. And even if that happens, there's still that something in your DNA. After a while, you'll forget how hard it was. I mean, you'll try again. It's like having kids, to be honest, you know, you forget by the time you get to the second, you're like, yeah, let's have another one. Like, do you remember how hard the first one was? <laughs> yeah. you know? But yet you forget. And Joe, you forgot five times. You just keep having it. You know? <laughs> so, I think that's the same way with business. You got to have this, just this desire to want to go through the journey. And it, and I think Mace, would you would agree that it's a cliche, life's a journey, not a destination, but like, think about the journey. Yeah. The consequences, things were hard and you, you had to deal with some money issues, but think about the fun you had along the way, even though some of them didn't pan out. Right. I had a lot of fun, man. I'll tell you what, everything I did, as much as I say, I regret them. I don't because they made me what I am today. You know what I mean? You know, hopefully I learned the hard lessons from them. But, you know, hey, when you got that spirit, you got that entrepreneurial spirit, you can it. You know what I mean? It's just like you're always going to try something. You know, you, get, you think you're invincible. You think you can do it. So just don't give up. But not, as you see, I've, I've toned it down a little bit. <laughs> I'm not running out there buying stuff now. You know what I mean? Like what, the real estate did good, but you don't see me owning rental properties now too hard. You know what I mean? Pain in my tail anymore. So, well, you found your niche. You, you know, you're good at writing loans and getting them to the settlement table. And there's a lot of people out there clamoring to to work with you. So you've done that, you know. And I just gotta sit tight, you know, and then keep keep working. And now apparently I'm a blogger. You're on a podcast, Mason. It's called a podcast. Oh, podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm doing something new though. Yeah, this is cool. All right, so so wrapping it up, Joe. What are your final thoughts here, man? I think that the probably the biggest takeaway for me with Mason is just don't ever give up. Just try anything, and it's not. They're not all. You have to go into stuff knowing that like they're not all going to be home runs, and it's the swing and the miss that's going to get you closer to the home run. And you just have to be willing to put in the work and. 
something that makes it a lot easier, I think, is when you simplify everything in your life and you boil it down to, I call it like the nut that you have to cover every month. Like what is your absolute minimum or minimum amount of money that you can make to cover all of your bills and food and, you know, everything like that. And when you boil that down and you take away all of the excesses of, you know, going to Starbucks or whatever, which is like, you know, a luxury, if you just figure out like, this is exactly what I need on doing entrepreneurial stuff becomes really easy. Cause you like, you know, if you live modestly, then, you know, you, it's not a whole lot of money you need to make. And there's a lot of things out there that can make you money and, you know, it's not as daunting as it would be when you simplify it and you see it in, in such a small, you know, monthly nut that you have to cover. So that's kind of that's where I start it. And, you know, five kids later, the nuts gotten a little bit bigger, but I take here's my takeaway. Pain's inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Right, Mace? You know, you're going to feel the pain, but you don't wallow. You don't sit around and suffer. You still try and find joy where you can find joy, have fun wherever fun's possible. And, you know, when you get to the end, you know, you'll have great stories to tell as long as you go about it. And stories people want to hear. And they want to hear because you tell them with a smile. You tell your stories based with a smile because you look back and think it was a wild, crazy thing to do. And, you know, funny. You know, there's a lot of people that might, you know, they hit their failures. They want to tell their stories with a frown. And nobody wants to hear that shit. I'll be honest with you. Tell that to your therapist. You know what I mean? I want to hear Mason's stories because he tells them with a, with a, with a certain amount of, you know, full uh, uh, humor. You know, so that's my takeaway from it, Mace. I appreciate it, guys. Look, I'm not looking to do anything crazy now. I'm set up nice, just going to finish out my life in the mortgage business. It's all good. You guys are younger. You got tw- I got 20 years on you, man. Go do it. Yeah. We'll take I, I think it's kind of uh, interesting. I was thinking about this the other day that when, Kenny, when you got into the mortgage business and we got out of college, Mason's about the same age now or then as we are now, right? When I got in the mortgage business, Mason was, yeah, about 43 when I got in. Yeah, and I'm 43. And I've gotten here without having peacocks and horses and you know, steak shops. So, so like, Smart, no, man. but like, so, so it, it got me to thinking about, you know, Mason, your perception of me and Kenny as he's cocky little shits at 20 something years <laughs> old, you know, coming in and, or suits and stuff like that. Like I, I look now at, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Like I look at these kids now and you know, it's you, occasionally you get cocky little fuckers like that around. But for the most part, like, I don't know, it's maybe it's cause we're out in California or whatever, but I, KJ, are you seeing it? Like, do you see kids with swag like that these days? Like coming in, like bringing up, I have a couple, I'll be honest, but like it's few and far between in my business. Yeah, there's definitely some workers coming in. There's some really strong and their competition, and that's okay. But there's some good people coming up, and and I'm happy to see that. Now, there's a bunch of schleps coming in too. A bunch of you know kids that think you know you, you have an Instagram and you take about enough cool pictures and you'll get you'll be successful in the mortgage business. You know, and that's not the case. You need to put in the effort. You need to put in the work. We got some. We we definitely have a good generation of loan officers coming in behind us. For a long time, I was the youngest loan officer I knew. I can't say that anymore, unfortunately. You know, now there's some really good ones in their 30s, and I'm okay with it. I, I you know, I like it. You know, I learn from everybody. I learn from people that have been in business five years. I learn from people in business 20 years, like Masons, or 35 years, like Masons. So it's all good, man. But yeah, I'm seeing it. 
Yeah, I just think I remember, you know, when, when we started out and the guys who were older than us and who were killing it. And like, I just put such a target on them. Like, I'm going to eat your lunch, dude. I'm going to come and outwork you, when it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, now we're kind of on the other side of it. I'm like, dude, like kind of looking over my shoulder, like, who are these kids like coming up? Like, you know, and it's kind of, it's interesting, you know, it's like definitely get to be my age, man. Guess what? They run faster and jump higher. It's a simple fact. Eventually they're going to catch me. Eventually they're going to catch me, man. And, you know, and I'll phase out gracefully, but yeah. And there are a lot, like Kenny says, there's a lot of younger guys out there, man. They're admirable competition. God bless them. You know what I mean? So yeah, we all got to stay on our toes, man. They're going to, like you said, they're going to, they're going to eat our lunch. So we got to stay strong. I will say this from our perch. We can spot the good ones. We have a very good vantage point to spot the good ones and, and, and the, and the bad ones. So yeah, I can tell the ones that aren't going to be around much longer. You know, there's some, there's definitely some good ones out there. So no doubt about it, man. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up with that. But again, I had a lot of fun. I always enjoy, you know, my wife says that this podcast is just an excuse for you to hang out with Joe for a half hour once a month. And she's <laughs> not home. today I get to hang out with Joe and Mason. So what a freaking day. Yep. Thanks for having me guys and living proof, man. Just keep on trying. You'll get something, man. Blind squirrel finds a nut. That's it. Thanks for coming on, Mace. Thanks for hanging out. Joe, we'll catch up. We'll talk soon. Yeah, man. See you guys. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Selling the Dream. We know you don't want to miss a single episode, so go subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And then make sure to share the show with your friends and leave us a review.